Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to The Universe Next Door, where we have a very special edition today. And that edition is the Illuminate the Bay edition. And we have with us two of the speakers, two of the seven Ravi Zacharias International Ministry speakers who have come from uh, far fields away from Tampa Bay uh, to visit and be with us as we're presenting in 32 venues the case for Christ, the discussions of really important questions, tough questions, and relevant life-changing questions. And we're going to be talking about some of those very questions that have been addressed in their talks here in Tampa Bay, but I want to introduce these two gentlemen who have been here, and they're going to be uh, just uh, sharing a bit of their insights, their wisdom on apologetic topics. So I'll begin here across the desk from me here in uh, Trinity College of Florida, Casey Leander. Hey there. Yeah, great to be here, Tom. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Well, great to, to have you. Casey was our... MC at our wonderful banquet where we had Steve Meyer come and talk about evidence for God and nature. And so, uh, by the way, you just slammed the ball over the center field fence. <laughs> not <laughs> only, you, not only hey, in that in that, that MC, but I've been hearing great things. I guess uh, one of the pictures has you with your hands out, and you look like a little, little, literally like Emperor Palpatine. <sighs> Yikes! Yeah. <I> do. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> I tend to use a lot of nonverbal communication. Oh, really? I get made fun of on the team uh, just because of how much I use my hands when I talk. And, oh, that's uh, hilarious. Yes, indeed. In this one picture, it does look like a little bit of a force lightning move. Um, <laughs> but I promise you that's not what was happening in that conversation. It was just a really yeah. heartfelt it was just, conversation yeah, about faith. So. Yeah, pray, <laughs> you were just using your hands to show how Christ reaches out with his hand. That's right. right. And, yeah, so that's and doesn't shock us with force lightning. Oh, that's he funny. He loves us. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, well, it's been exciting to see you and your work in apologetics and and such topics as uh, passion. If you have a passion, how can you fulfill it? Can it really be reached to its max? And issues of freedom and issues of responsibility and issues of just the moral questions that, that come at us from every conceivable direction. Thank you for being with us. And also joining us here on The Universe Next Door is Matt Middleburg. Woohoo! Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, I love being here. And so we are excited that you are part of the RZIM team, and we are blessed that you joined you and Casey have really become stalwarts. You've become uh, like pillars in our effort to reach out to Tampa Bay. And I want to thank uh, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine Thomas, for being with us and being a fantastic. Uh, let's say conveyor of the saints through your <laughs> through your little motion machine, your your car slash van slash whatever it is. Catherine I, and her husband Pat have been uh, shuttling us around all over Tampa. And just a fun note on that: Pat and Matthew and I, all three of us, were uh, uh, 
uh, students in Oxford together. Um, so How we did cool a year that program is. in apologetics together. Oh my goodness. So reunited at last in Tampa. This is really special. Well, let's talk about the, you know, you, you mentioned Oxford, and of course that's where C.S. Lewis spent his first 30 years teaching. Uh, they never gave him a full professorship, but as a tutor in literature, medieval literature, he of course was one of the great, great inspirers of a generation, and really the generations since he began writing Christian works in 1932. I believe 32, 33 is when Pilgrim's Regress uh, came out, and that was the presentation and allegorical form of his journey to Christ. And the rest is history. You know, all 30 plus of his books have had massive impact, not just the seven Narnia tales and the three sci-fi adventures, but everything else that flowed from his heart and mind and pen, directed by Aslan himself, better known as Christ. And of course, we want to talk about the centrality of Christ today and how you see the world of apologetics shaping up. I am just in my kind of fingers on the pulse of this generation. I think that the rising generation is excited and and eager to hear if there are reasons, if there are lines of evidence for believing in, first of all, just an omnipotent uh, God who rules, who, who loved us into existence, to use Lewis's phrase, and then who, who gives us this amazing thing called freedom. Uh, the freedom to to choose, and that's part of love. And I know uh, I don't want to get too into the far into the theological weeds here, but I'd love to hear. Let's start with Casey. If you would just share with me your sense as you've been able to look at the world. I mean, you've done ministry all over the place. You know, Europe and U.S. and elsewhere. Do you sense that the the time is is ripe for apologetics, for talking about and sharing with the rising generation reasons for faith? Tom, absolutely. <laughs> I, okay. I'm so passionate about this. Yeah. Um, as you know, and as you yourself definitely are. And I think it's critical that we just reiterate that, look, now is not the time to retreat away from intellectual reasons. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we talk about reaching uh, what's been called, you know, postmodern culture where mm-hmm. truth doesn't seem to have its same anchor hold on our society. And mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes people say, well, wh- what we need to do now is back away from logic and reasoning and just focus on interpersonal relationships and stories. And feelings. And feelings, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be the first one to say feelings matter matter. Amen. Um, God values our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it does remind me on this subject of Lewis, how he writes in the screw tape letters uh, that the object of the enemy is to get all of us running to the side of the boat that's almost underwater. Uh, mm. You know, if you picture mm. on a ship and it's tipping side to side. And so get all the Christians on the side that's almost underwater anyway. Mm. Um, and I wonder if that's what we're doing as we back away from more rational answers, because mm. uh, those and our emotional experiences of faith go hand in hand. Mm. Um, and I love what you're saying there, Tom, because young people are hungry for it. And, mm. and then they might not even know that they're hungry for it. But, you know, one in three adolescents is dealing with some kind of an anxiety disorder right now. Wow. Um, depression rates are skyrocketing. Loneliness rates are skyrocketing. And. Mm. Uh, and, and what they're looking for is a firm foundation to build a life on. Mm. Uh, and, and we get to offer that and encourage them and that and listen to them and listen to their their cares and their worries. And um, that is truly the privilege of a lifetime to be able to do that. That's, that's a great insight. And I think one of the things that I see is that Lewis, a master at telling stories, 
both true stories, his own true story of coming to faith. And by the way, he did a second autobiography called Surprised by Joy, you know, urged urged him, urged on uh, that project was by, I think, his wife, Joy Gresham, you know, if I, if I remember the details. And, and so as he completed that book, he, we have the, let, let's say, the more objective, dry account. <laughs> I, I never should call any Lewis book dry, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a steady, uh, you know, retelling of his story. Amazing story of coming to faith out of this 20-year tunnel of atheism. But in that, in that telling of story, Lewis, I think, in, engaged in rational discourse, talking about evidence, but he never lost the picture of, this, of the narrative. Would you agree? Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. One um, illustration that I find I found super helpful recently comes from uh, one, of, one of my favorite movies uh, is The Hurt Locker. Hmm. Uh, 2008 film about ordnance disposal wow. uh, guys in Afghanistan and um, you know they see a wire or something poking out of the dirt and their job is to reach down pick that wire up and follow it to where it leads because at the end there's usually a bomb that needs to be diffused oh my goodness and and I see those wires poking up across hmm. culture and uh, and and I think when we pull on that thread and we ask what's at the bottom of this hmm. You know, why do we uh, just thirst for purpose in our life and we have to find meaning in our life? Why? When we pick up those wires and we ask those questions, we follow it to their logical conclusions. Sometimes we'll find bombs that need to be diffused, right? Lies maybe mm-hmm. that we believe, uh, weak foundations that we're building on. Um, but, but when we keep following it, more often than not, we'll also find mm-hmm. the answers of a good and loving God. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Uh, and, and so that, that is truly, yeah, it is so mm-hmm. telling stories. You know, what a beautiful way to do mm-hmm. that. That's fantastic. Well, here on The Universe Next Door today, we have two outstanding guest speakers in our midst. They have come here to Tampa Bay for this amazing opportunity to speak to crowds of great diversity, right? I mean, you guys have had a blast uh, talking to college students. And then uh, I think there was a uh, ginger beard... Is that the name of it? Yes, the Ginger Beard Coffee Shop. Uh, <laughs> what a one, wonderful, of, weird name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I've got to tell something, of a funny thing. And Casey, you were there, uh, and, and, you, and you were talking about some of the, like there was a couple microbreweries. And when you said, and C.S. Lewis Society is ministering in, on university campuses and in businesses and in bars. <laughs> that was one of the most funny moments. Mm. Yes, and, and I and yeah. I said that was God directed, yes, <laughs> and, and and everybody was was saying yes, we need to go where people are, and the, so the C.S. Lewis Society is blessed to have you with us. And let me just say that uh, the both of you are are just winsome and wise in your approach. And um, Matt Middleberg, maybe just uh, I can bring you in. Uh, you've been with uh, RZIM for several years. Uh, so yes, I'm in my third year working third, for okay. RZIM. So. Tell me what it's like to be trained by this elite, you know, Joe uh, and Vince Vitale. Vince Vitale, of course, is, is functioning as one of the top head uh, training guys, P- Ph.D. from Oxford. He came to Christ his second year at the end of his first year at Princeton, which is interesting because I came to Christ at the end of my first year at Princeton. Oh, wow. So we have something in common there. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to, to work with an organization that treasures truth but also treasures the winsome really emphasizes the winsome approach to all people, and, and unbelievers, of course, people checking out this story 
are at the top of that list. Tell us what that's like. It's really an unbelievable. I think it really stems from Ravi Zacharias himself, and mm-hmm. and we we have all sort of benefited from the DNA that, that he has passed on to us in that, you know, he's not only trying to answer the questions that are being asked, mm-hmm. he's trying to answer the questioner, mm-hmm. and he's trying to answer the heart that is there. And so, um, you know, I think all of us, what, what, what we try to do is not to, just to, to get lost in the weeds of, of the intellectual questions that are being asked, because sometimes those are, those are sort of a smokescreen mm-hmm. um, that is being thrown up there to, to sort of avoid getting at what the heart issue is. And so often, uh, more often than not, I find that that many of the questions that um, that I encounter when I'm when I'm talking with students, when I'm talking with uh, people in in public environments, so often the questions that they're asking boils down to um, how how can I know that God is good? Hmm. How can I know that God is real? What is the evidence for faith? And and hmm. many of the questions that are being thrown out there, if you if you really look at what's behind those questions, hmm. it seems like that is what what's at the heart. And so we want to we want to engage with the actual questions that pe- people are asking. We can't we can't ignore those. Hmm. But but we also want to speak to the heart. We also want to speak to what's behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to to be in an environment that is, um, you know, with these speakers, uh, Ravi and, and Vince Vitali and Joe Vitali and mm. so many amazing speakers, mm. um, I just feel so grateful to be in that environment. Wow. Well, if I can just do a little plug for a Vince Vitali walk through the streets of Oxford video. It's about a five minute, maybe five or six minute long uh masterful presentation of why God is not dead in academia. You guys are familiar with that? Yes, I love that video. And that's the video, ha, 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 now sits at the very top of our apologetics.org homepage, which if I can just uh, thank my colleague here, Nick Shauna, who is uh, directing the operation, skipping the ship. Uh, good job, and and we are and we are in the process of arranging those videos. I think we have about 120 something like that videos uh, that we've selected that Nick and I have approved to put on, and we're going to be the Netflix of apologetics. That's you, fantastic. You like that idea? I love that idea. <laughs> okay, and so what we're going to do now is if I could shift into some key reasons, and uh, because those who listen to us, by the way, we may have anywhere from five to ten thousand people in New York City listening to us today. Let's do a shout out to New York City. Hey, love Woo-hoo! New York City. The Big Apple. Uh, go Red Sox. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh, you no. uttered the fateful uh, words. Whoops. <laughs> so, oh, okay. did I say that out loud? I think God is directing <laughs> us to go on to the largest Christian station in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, we yeah. lived in, uh, Matt and I were That's housemates in, uh, in Boston for a couple of years, so we okay. do have to just shout out. But uh, no, hey, much love to the Empire State. Yes, uh, that's well right. So. You guys are amazing. So let's talk about evidence, hardcore evidence, and then maybe some of the struggles that we have. And by the way, uh, you guys are, are just amazing. Would you consider coming on and, and doing next week's program? We would love to be okay. on the next All right. program. Yes, uh, so so we'll, 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 we'll take care of that. We'll, we'll arrange that. So this, I'm having far too much fun, and I haven't even gotten to my first question yet. Amazing. Well, actually, I, mean, I have, but, you know, sort of, uh, but the substantive issue. Someone says, okay, I hear this story. Jesus died. He came. That's what you're telling me. I'm, I'm just putting myself where I was my freshman year in, in college. I was an agnostic at the time. Barely knew the gospel, the, the, the story of how God sent his son who became one of, of us, took our sins on himself, paid the full price, and rose again. Uh, someone says, science shows miracles are just figments of people's pre-scientific imagination. Science, I trust miraculous stories I can't believe, and especially this massive miracle of the resurrection. 
Matt Middleberg, what would you say to this person uh, to just kind of get them on the right track? Yeah, it's so interesting because I've had a lot of people say that. I was in a discussion group in Oxford, and I was sitting around the table with a bunch of other students, and uh, I began to present some of the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus because hmm. there's actually great evidence out there. Hmm. And the, the guy across from the table, he just said, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Dead bodies stay dead. And for him, that was the end of discussion. He didn't want to hear the evidence. He didn't want to hear anything. He just assumed and, and, and just threw out this assumption that dead bodies stay dead. And what I, what I, what I want to present to, to him is, is the idea, well, you are assuming that. You have not actually proven that. You're actually discounting all of the evidence. You're discounting all of, of the reason. G.K. Chesterton pointed that out in Orthodoxy. He said that you know the, the rationalists are the ones that are actually the dogmatists in this mm. situation. They have, a, uh, they have a doctrine against miracles, and they're unwilling to actually be open to the evidence. Mm-hmm. And I think what's, what's so fascinating about that is that when we look at the evidence, it's actually so strong, not only for the resurrection of Jesus, but the idea that miracles are happening today. Uh, Lee Strobel came out with a book uh, two years ago called The Case for Miracles. And in that book, he, he did a Barna survey of over a thousand Americans and asked them the question, have you had an experience that you can only describe as a miracle of God? Mm. And two out of every five people said wow. yes. Wow. So if you extrapolate that to the, to the rest of the country, that's 94 million Americans that have had experiences that they can only describe as miraculous. Mm. Now, here's, here's the question. Are all 94 million Americans either lying or deceived? Is it rational to believe that they are all just completely wrong? Because only one miracle disproves the idea that miracles are impossible, that nobody has ever risen from the dead, that there's never been any sort of supernatural inven- intervention mm. into our lives. And I don't yeah. think that's a reasonable assumption. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, you know, what I think I might do, uh, because I want to bring in Casey here for just uh, two seconds, I think I would love to have you, when you come back next week, if you could just tick off some of those three, two or three or four power lines, you know, power lines that carry electricity. I think this is a power line of evidence. And so if you could just come back and, and, and give us your best take on that, that would be awesome. Would love to do that. Okay. Now, Casey, um, you got my attention earlier when we were talking today about what what you love to, to share on some of the topics that are like, you know, hot button and you like you've researched them, you've interviewed people and you've thought deeply about them. I was intrigued when you said the passion that we sometimes have, you, you know, hopefully it's a, for us as followers, as Christ followers, it's a godly, it's a, it's a biblically consistent passion. But I mean, that just, wow, I had never heard an apologetics approach. Tell us what that's about and give us at least one insight that you've come up with. Man, Tom. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think purpose, uh, you could say is the central conundrum for mm-hmm. human beings mm-hmm. in a, a confusing world, right? What are we crying out for at our deepest level? It's purpose. We want to know that the things we do are significant. Um, and I'm struck in my reading by the idea that uh, you take almost everything else away from people and what's left is that striving for purpose. You know, I just read uh, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. And he talks about uh, in in his experience, just one of the most brutal epochs in human history, you know, sitting languishing at Auschwitz. Mm. And he talks about, you know, two examples really struck me from that book. One is they they could tell which of their fellow prisoners was about to pass away, Mm. um, despite any other physical, I mean, all of them at Auschwitz weren't doing great. 
Mm. So there's that. But but they keep Frankel writes that he could tell which ones were about to go because they would give up. Mm. And they would give up on that search for purpose. Um, and, and almost inevitably, that losing of that sense of purpose was followed by physical death at Auschwitz. Mm. And on the flip side, you watch um, uh, Frankel writes that they almost had a physical ache when they considered the beauty of the world that was around them, even in that camp, even in that concentration camp. And uh, uh, people would run into their their uh, log, you know, their, their dwelling there, their, mm. you know, we've seen the pictures of these guys just on racks and pallets, just mm. sleeping. Mm. And someone runs into that room and yells, there's a sunset outside. Mm. And these emaciated men hobble out almost all of them to watch the glory of a sunset. Mm. And Frankel just talks about feeling an ache there. Like he's never experienced in his life because he senses there's something significant. There's beauty in this world that can't be touched by the Mm. evil. Uh, And so man, purpose is central to our existence. We're meaning seeking creatures, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The unexamined life is not worth living. And so, so what we're seeking more often than not is purpose. And I love that Tom, just because that, um, that meets people wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. All of us are seeking that, and 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 in my mind, that takes the answers we have, uh, in, you know, in the gospel and Christianity, and the God of the universe who's reconciling the whole universe, the universe next door, you could say, yes. uh, to Himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The answers we have there become uh, less of a defense there, and actually more of an offense. When we go and we talk to people wow. about purpose, it opens doors in their lives because people want to talk about their deepest purpose, their mm. sense of purpose and their calling. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Well, we are all about discovering, helping people discover that purpose that God made them for. And I, I've, I've always thought of Lewis's writings as one of the entry points into that sense of purpose and joy. I mean, uh, the the experience that Lewis had, that kind of flash of, of Zehnsucht. I think is the German word he used, which is a, a deep pang, a longing for that which is just out beyond your reach. And you can't invent it. You can't stir it up on your own. It just it just comes to you unbidden, but it just takes your breath away. And uh, and I think all of us have sensed moments like that where we almost glimpse eternity. We glimpse the beauty of God and, and the blessings of, of that tight relationship with the creator of the universe. I mean, it's amazing what apologetics is into. We have a, just a couple minutes left. Tell us about one, and I'll give you each one minute, one minute or less, okay? Um, so Matt, what is one key breakthrough in apologetics over the last three to five years that really excites you? And, and Casey, you can think about one, but uh, can I start with one? Please. I'll take 10 seconds. Okay. Love to hear. Yeah. Okay, my one my key breakthrough I think is just awesome is what God did in Gunther Beckley's life. This German paleontologist who um in in um his museum there in Stuttgart took down Behe's book, the Darwin's Black Box book as after they were slamming it in a display at the museum during the Darwin bicentennial in 2009 and he said, "You know, I've never read any of these books. Maybe I should just give it a read just so I know what this uh, bad bad movement is all about." And he was captivated, he began a 7-year journey that led him to not only embrace design, but he embraced the the Christ of history as the one who's God come down to earth for us. So Gunter Beckley's story, six minutes long, is on our apologetics.org website. So that's your assignment, guys. You got to watch that six minute video. Okay. 
All right, so that's fantastic. And I think one one breakthrough that I've seen is um, actually near-death experiences. Okay. I think is fantastic. If we look at uh, John Burke, his book, Imagine Heaven, mm-hmm. uh, in that he looks at a, a whole collection of near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. And instead of just taking one near-death experience and, and taking that as the gospel truth, he says, no, these, these are all interpretations of experiences. So we can't take them as gospel truth. But what we can do is we can say, what are the commonalities we see over many different stories mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For, for these? And uh, what's so fascinating is that so many of those uh, near-death experiences, despite the culture, despite the background, have so many Christian teachings that line up with Scripture. And that that is amazing. Near-death experiences. Well, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give give Casey the opportunity to think all through this week about his, like, key breakthrough, or you can actually have two of them if you want, you have a, a week to think about it, so uh, so I, uh, this will air, you know, the, the part two will air next week, it's been awesome to have uh, a fantastic duo, a dynamic duo, Casey Leander, Matt Middleberg, thank you so much, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. We yeah. had a blast. Yeah. Thank you. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Universe Next Door every week here, uh, your radio podcast experience that we hope is building you up in Christ. Check us out at apologetics.org. You've been listening to the Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support the Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in the Universe Next Door. Next Door.